Welcome to the multitask. This is John. What's going on, guys? Well, I'm glad I'm not Fox News. I'm glad I don't work for Fox News. I'm glad I'm not a Fox News host. But the Dominion lawsuit is rolling and some documents are dropping. And of course, uh, I don't know how it's being covered in the real world because I, 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 I watch cable news network and I know that uh, CNN and MSNBC have been taking victory laps. But man, man, oh man. And you know, it's my, I don't know how the case is going to turn out, but there's some embarrassing stuff coming out on Fox News right now. Well, a couple things, John. One, they're going to lose that case. They're going to lose all that money because of them lying. I also think it'll change, and it has changed at some points, how they cover things, because they purposely not said Dominion once, and they, they're trying to stay out of super conspiracy theories. Um, but you said something interesting about um, taking a victory lap. We all kind of knew this was the case, right? Dominion had sued them, and it was early on, Sean Hannity kind of, it was proven that he thought it was BS. Tucker knew it was BS, but they still went out there and uh, spewed those lies because Trump wanted them to, basically. Um, but the real problem I have here, John, is the way that Trump has set up his base in the Fox News base is that even if Fox comes out and says, well, we knew it was BS, we still said it. If they lose the case, if they have to pay the money, if they don't ever lie again, his... The, the Fox News watchers will not believe that it's real. They'll believe that Fox had to plead the case. They wanted it over. They don't want the drama. There's not a single person that I believe will change their mind over the 2020 election because of this. It's so ingrained into their soul that even if all these revelations that we find uh, damaging, their base doesn't believe in. You know what I mean? You're talking about a base that believes JFK Jr. is coming back from the dead to reinstate Trump as president, right? And not to completely dismiss them, I just believe that I don't believe if you're watching Fox News at this point that these revelations are going to change your mind about Fox News. It's, I hate to be a pessimist about it, but that's that's what I'm kind of feeling. No, you're exactly right. I think that's that's the one thing I caution. I think it's and it, you know it's it's the tough thing about when Republicans are drinking liberal tears and Democrats or liberals or, or progressives are drinking conservative tears. It doesn't really fly anymore because I, and I think the challenge is, is that think about it. If something were to happen on the left that we were potentially, that was potentially embarrassing, we, we have some good defense mechanisms to keep us from, from it being embarrassing and really hurting or what have you. That being said, um, what doesn't, what doesn't necessarily have for Texas to your point is the legal world. And when you think about some of the legal exposure, um, you have, but now here, here's where it gets tricky. There's a lot of um, reporting on from on 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 the, on the Fox News story about just how everyone knew they were lying, and I think at one point um, there was some concern that you know, but if they don't go through, if they don't double down, that they'll lose audience to Newsmax, probably even one America. But I think Newsmax was the bigger issue. Um, I don't. To your point. Will that reporting ever get to the people to know? I mean, it's the people who hate, hate Fox News, people like you and I who can't stand Fox News. Uh, it's getting to us. But you're also, you know, when, when we learn it, you're like, tell us something we didn't know, right? So, you know, I guess the question would be is, what is what is the true impact? What is the effectiveness of that information? But, you know, uh, one of the things that CNN just broke tonight, and I'll, I'll read it to you, is 
CNN broke tonight, and I don't know if this is, this looks like it was published about uh, literally uh, 20 minutes ago. Um, the headline says, Fox News executives refused to let Trump on air when he called in during the January 6th attack. So I'm going to give you three paragraphs or four paragraphs, five paragraphs, and then we'll stop. Um, former President Donald Trump tried to call in a Fox News after his supporters attacked the U.S. Capitol, Capitol on January 6, 2021, but the network refused to put him on air, according to court filings from Dominion Voting Systems in its defamation case against the company. The House Select Committee that investigated the January 6th attack did not know that Trump made this call, according to a source familiar with the panel's work. The panel sought to piece together a near minute-by-minute account of Trump's movements, actions, and phone calls on that day. His newly revealed call to Fox shows shows some gaps in the record that still exist due to roadblocks the committee faced. The afternoon of January 6th, the Capitol came under attack. Then President dialed into Lou Dobbs. Then President Trump dialed into Lou Dobbs' show attempting to get on air, Dominion lawyers wrote in the legal brief. But Fox News uh, vetoed the decision, uh, Dominion filing continued. Why? Not because of lack of newsworthiness. January 6th was a very important event by any measure. Uh, president Trump not only was sitting president, but he was a key figure that day. The network rebuffed Trump because it would be irresponsible to put him on the air and could impact a lot of people in a negative way, according to Fox News Business Network, Fox uh, Business Network uh, President Laura Peterson, whose testimony was cited by Dominion in the new filing. Wow! So you know they ain't rocking with Trump. Look, look. What? First of all, was that the first you heard of it? And what is your reaction upon hearing that? No, no, no. I, I read it earlier. I think it was during Lou Dobbs' uh, kind of hour where they were trying to get him on. Um, my first thought is, like, makes sense. But the second thought I have is, was he calling to tell him to go home or was he calling to egg him on? <laughs> like, he could have been using it. Was it uh, uh, for him to boost his signal? You know, was it for him to boost his message or was it for him to kind of quell him and kind of stop people from going inside or, or just stop people from the violence, right? Um, but Fox knows like here's, I think John, I don't mean to beat a dead horse, but they all know Sean Hannity was texting people. Laura Ingram was texting people. They all know that it's, it's BS. They all know Trump lied. They all know that they're lying as they talk about it, but yet nothing, nothing ever comes of it. Like they, they don't care. It's not that Laura doesn't know she's lying. It's not that Tucker doesn't know. They themselves know they're doing it. It's it's not any different from Stephen Colbert and his height at the Daily Show or the Colbert Report, right? I I believe John the way that the correspondence dinner led to Trump being president. I wholeheartedly believe the popularity of Colbert led to somebody like Tucker Carlson, even Sean Hannity or Laura Ingram, right? They might predate the Colbert Report, but the way the the, the news coverage shifted. I could uh, um, kind of make those two links. So it's not, it's not, that's what's frustrating is they know, right? I think Tucker was reported. He called Trump demonic, that he's a destroyer. He destroys everything, but we still want his base. And so they have to kind of cater to him. So I think that's a real problem here is they know they just, they're just lying. Yeah. You know, um, here, here's some things I want to go. And this is from the Hill and the Hill cited some of the uh, revelations from the case. The first revelation they exposed is leading hosts called Fallon insane Powell and Giuliani claims. 
So we know that. I mean, it's that's you know, again, they're repeating them, they're doing it, but in text messages, and that's you know, but again. The reality is, is the reporting, will it get to the people impacted? And if it gets to the people impacted, will they believe it? Second point, um, Carlson and Hannity talked about getting Fox reporters fired for uh, fact-checking Trump. So they were upset that actual reporters, not hosts, but reporters were going ahead and fact-checking everything that Trump was saying. Uh, Another one, Murdoch dismissed Trump's election claims. So even Murdoch, the owner of the network, the boss, he dismissed the claims. So, I mean, it's it's one of those situations where, look, I, it, the fact that this won't do damage to Fox with its audience, it will do legal damage, but the fact that this probably won't cost them any uh, audience, is it, it speaks badly and poorly about um our media and and like i say i'm going to be fair here unfortunately if our cnn or msnbc was doing the same i think especially the msnbc audience i think we'd probably dismiss it as well we got to get back to a place where we trust news regardless from you know if it's pro or con our side yeah um i think that's the big thing that we have to address here is how does this affect it moving forward? Like you said, I, they're they're gonna be they're gonna pay. Someone's paying something. Somebody's gotten a check to somebody, right? But I mentioned this with the Buffalo shooting. Is is this a way to curtail Fox and Newsmax at OAN from doing this? Right? Can the Buffalo families uh, sue because, as you know, the shooter was saying Tucker Carlson right replacement theory, et cetera, Right? Can Pfizer? Can Pfizer sue? Uh, Tucker Carlson for saying the vaccines are ineffective when they know factually that they are infective, right? Um, I'm not sure why people aren't suing more. I brought this up to you before a, a while ago, and you said there has to be a victim, right? Well, yeah, all right. Maybe Biden can't sue Tucker, but Pfizer can. Pfizer clearly can, right? There's the company that's making the vaccine, right? So I wonder if this is a future into that. I also wonder if there's anything we could do legislatively. I know we can't get into freedom of speech and and trying to legislate that, but maybe they can't call themselves news then. Maybe it has to be like the Fox Opinion show or something. Like, I wonder if we could legislate it where we have to be a little bit more strict on what's news and what's more opinion. I know that's a slippery slope because you could go after guys like Skip Bayless or Shannon Sharp or whatever for all the stuff they talk, but um, Tucker Carlson presents what he's saying as factual and he, he's not being factual. So I, I, there has to be some sort of SEC rule or something like that. FCC. Yeah, well, FCC. The, the, well, I'm going to, I'll give, I'll give you a, a better, a, a different assessment too. First and foremost, just so you know, the, the phrase that you're looking for, the legal phrase is called standing. Who has standing to sue? And it's the impact of party. Now, I think that you might, I mean, realistically, you could say, that's why Dominion is suing. Dominion actually has standing to sue. Um, I would assume any person who who was negatively impacted by election lies. So, you know, the uh, was it Ruby Moss down in uh, Atlanta and her daughter, Shay, uh, they would have standing. I would say, you know, there were some election workers even in Pennsylvania who had to hide. Um, Rosensberg, although he probably wouldn't just from a political standpoint, Anybody whose whose life was put in danger might be able to sue, uh, and 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 you know do some damage, but um, you know, 
now I, I thought of something today and I, and I'd have to talk to a lawyer to confirm this, but you know, we talk a lot about, um, what the FCC could do. And just, you know, because, uh, Fox is on cable, I'm not sure if they're really truly FCC regulated FCC oftentimes, uh, covers over the air broadcast. And so if, for instance, if someone said one of the seven magic words on ABC over the air, uh, that channel could get in trouble. If someone said one of the seven magic words on MSNBC, CNN, or Fox, I don't think those channels can get in trouble. Now, a lot of times they censor that because it is something that does turn off and pisses off the, the advertisers. So their, their policing of that has less to do with um, anything having to do with the FCC. It has more to do with um, making sure that their advertisers are not angry. That being said, um, I come up. I came up with a new uh, place, and I don't know if it would work. But because Fox is put, presenting itself as news and everything else, um, might there be some truth in advertising uh, claims? And if that is the case, that would go to the Federal Trade Commission, uh, not the Federal Communications Commission, but the Federal Trade Commission, because basically. It's telling people they're getting X when they're really giving them Y. Um, that would be a very fascinating, you know, and I'm sure there's probably legal scholars, lawyers, law firms, class action attorneys, et cetera, who are probably already doing a lot of research on that. But I would assume um, the Federal Trade Commission, again, uh, as you and I have talked about, I got my law degree from Law and Order SVU uh, University, where I was law review. But I think that's where you could really put a hurting on Fox. Yeah, I mean that's a good point. I'm not. I'm definitely not smart enough to understand how to do it. Um, I'm I, look. Sometimes I'm part of the do something crowd. I just uh, this. I'm not talking about Democrats. I'm just talking about generally as a country. How do we combat the misinformation? John, I'll tell you a quick story, which has to do with Fox News. I'm talking to a friend of mine in Cleveland, who wants to have a bachelor art party and come to Chicago to have her bachelor art party, and she says. But I just hear that it, it's kind of taken over by criminals and, and that the governor and the mayor kind of banned all crimes and there's no laws anymore. The new rule that passed on January 1st. And, and you know what I'm talking about, right? The the purge law. Safety that, Act. That Joe Rogan, Safety Act. Yeah. Well, Safety they call it the purge law that the Joe Rogan and Republicans were crying foul over. And I, I sent her an article, which I have saved in my bookmark because I've had this conversation with a few people. And I said, oh, no, it's completely misinformation. She's like, no, no, no. But I've heard it on news, like actual news. And I was like, yeah, it's complete. It's complete BS. And then I showed her a couple of TikToks that were breaking it down, articles. I showed her that Cleveland has a higher crime rate than Chicago. And I showed her that the top 10 crime rates in the country are all red states. And she's like, oh, you're really protective of Chicago. I'm like, it's not about Chicago specifically as much as it's we have to be vigilant against misinformation. And so it's, it's it's about the truth. Yeah. It's just about getting it right. Right. And so I'm not sure how to combat that on a national scale. I could do my work one-on-one as much as I possibly can, but there is droves of droves of people who don't even watch Fox news, who believe that the purge law happened. And so it it really reverberates in, in the ethos of the country. Do I think majority of people think it? No, but they're a majority of the voter base, it feels like at times. So we have to do a better job of kind of combating that. I'm not sure how to do that, but uh, I think it's it's a goal of ours in the in the near future. Yeah, um, you know, it's 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 
something we truly have to contend with and it's 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 not good it's not fun and it's 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 tough um you know one of the things that i think um that also happened this week and it's a bad week on the right is uh fonnie willis down in georgia released her um uh or the grand jury no no well let me backtrack Actually, Fonnie Willis did not release the report. The the uh, judge released the report, but uh, it was not it was not good for uh, the right. You know, Trump has already taken a victory op, saying, "Well, he wasn't named in it, so he's in trouble." But you know, what they released was um, just a very small portion because any and, and it was redacted. It didn't name names, and of course, you know, they're saying people perjured themselves. Trump was never interviewed. And just remember that perjury is only about witnesses. Nothing in that report, I believe, addressed a crime. Although that that particular grand jury said they found no evidence of any kind of malfeasance. So, what was your reaction to the release this week of the Florida of the Georgia grand jury report? Um, a little confusion, to be honest, John. I, I, I was a little busy, so I didn't really fully dive into it, but. I'm curious. I'm I'm lost. I should say because they said that they're going to release something next Thursday, have to do with um, I, th- I think Rick Scott or one of the Scots at this point. But um, my question to you is: do, Have you caught up on why they did this or why they're just slowly releasing it, or 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 what is the reason behind this coming out this particular time? Okay, so realistically. Um... When the grand jury was was done, and just understand that this the grand jury that they convened in Georgia um, had a very simple mission. It, it I think it was an exploratory grand jury, where they they don't make a determination as to whether or not charges or who you know that they don't indict. This grand jury did not indict, but this grand jury was almost like the January sixth commission, in that it was a fact finding grand jury. And what they do is they create a record and facts or a, a statement of facts as they see them. And then off of that, the grand, uh, the, the prosecutor would determine whether or not you would then go to a grand, another grand jury, which would actually issue the indictments. So when the report was done, um, Fannie Willis stood up and said, I don't believe it should be released. And because releasing it at this time, not overall, but at this time, releasing it would actually um, undermine the case. It would potentially, um, and remember, there's no charging decisions made, right? So releasing it, it, so the report could say, you know, Fadi is an evil person. He, We believe he did crime. But then in reading it, Fonnie Willis could go ahead and determine, and her grand jury could determine that, no, you don't deserve to be charged. Well, what they don't want to do is they don't want to release names of folks who ultimately don't get charged and they don't want to undermine their case. So what she so when she said, I don't want it released right away um, and and charges are imminent, um, she went ahead and the media outlets sued and said, no, you have to release it. So then after after they sued, it went in front of the judge. The judge heard her and took it under the advisement. And the judge agreed with her, but then said, these elements, uh, these portions of the, uh, but but there needs to be some type of release. And these portions that I'm releasing, I think need to be released. 
remarkably, Fonnie Willis and the lawyers for the media outlets all agreed. And so realistically, what we'll see at some point in time in everybody believes based upon what they what the report said, there'll at least be definitely an indictment for perjury lying to the grand jury. But um, once Fonnie Willis makes her charging decisions, um, that is when the entire report will be released, provided that it's being released for the, the portion that's released now names names of the people who ultimately get indicted. Now, what I'm not clear on, despite my law and order SVU degree, what I'm not clear on is if, um, let's just say you are called out in the initial grand jury thing, if the final grand jury, the indicting grand jury, doesn't indict you, I don't know if you stay redacted because the thinking there is, is if we're not going to charge you, we shouldn't put you on blast like that. Does that does that clear up anything, or does that just raise more questions? Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. Uh, I just, I don't know. I've been waiting for Georgia for a long time. Not that this was disappointing. This was just, it was nothing to me. Not in the sense that it was nothing, but this is only the tip of the iceberg in theory. Um, I just think everyone's kind of looking at Georgia to um, make a call here, which, which again seems so easy. But if you're coming at a president or presidential nominee, you're going to have to come correct. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I just wanted to ask because it seemed, uh, and, and they said they were release something next week as well. So um, I guess we'll slowly get our kind of uh, information as it comes out. We'll, we'll see how that plays out and if that works. Um, but yeah, so we definitely uh, know that the grand jury at least expects a, or believes that someone should definitely be charged with perjury. I don't know what else will will, will be in the case, but at least we, we, at least there is a conventional wisdom that perjury will be charged. Yeah, I'll take that. I'll take anybody going down for doing anything Trump related. I'm down. The the busters, the waiters, the 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 chefs, whoever knew anything, I'm, I'm down. Mm-hmm. So uh, the next thing we need to talk about is speaking of charges. Matt Gates uh, got word that he will not be charged uh, with the things. I mean, it's not the best news, but I'm not sure if you noticed. Um, at least I saw this. I'm not sure if you saw this. Um, he really hasn't taken a victory lap, has he? And what do you make of that? I think I, I've got some ideas on why he didn't take a victory lap, but I want to hear from you first. What are your thoughts on him not taking a victory lap? Um, I think I know what you're going to say, but my my gut saying they're planning a world tour. Um, it's not a victory lap. He's planning to go state by state and uh, take a victory lap. I don't know. I, I look if. If you if you know you're guilty but they can't prove it, then it's probably not best for you to go outside and make a fool of yourself. So maybe he's just playing it close to the chest, realizing he might have got away with something. It was a close call. Let me not mess up. But I would have to give him any sort of benefit of doubt, and I just don't give him, that person any sort of benefit of doubt. He wants to take a victory lap. I'm I'm sure they're planning it or they're going to fundraise off of it soon enough. Um, but I'll, I'll pass it over to you. What you think? I just think. I don't think nothing of him, so I'm expecting him to make your lap soon enough. Um, well, I'm. There's a few things. Is there's there is some conventional wisdom that he might not. Um, there, there, there's some conventional wisdom that uh, he could potentially get. He could get in trouble. Uh, not in trouble. He, that that he's not taking a victory lap strictly because 
it doesn't look good. People might sing, people might talk, um, and it may blow up in his face. So, um, you know, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, I, I think that there is a reason why he's not taking the victory lap. And I think it has a lot to do with him, uh, not necessarily having confidence that he won't, uh, not get in legal trouble, but, you know, don't forget his boy Greenberg's in, in jail for, you know, for some things, right? So, you know, is it Greenberg or others who will then turn around and throw him under the bus? Will he get, you know, you know, what types of things, um, you know, might, you know, might go out, go against him at this point? Um, additionally, um, I still think whether between January 6th and some other stuff, I think that Gates might go down for something else. First of all, I don't think that the decision that was made by the Justice Department um, was, okay, we'll let him off on this and go after him on something else. I just feel like this is not going to be the last time that he faces some legal scrutiny. Yeah, fair. I mean, he asked for a pardon, so um, I don't know if this was for the Florida thing or for something else. But he definitely is guilty of something. Um, now, whether you, again, whether you can prove it or not is a completely different story. But um, do you agree? Do you agree with the reasoning? I guess the reasoning being that maybe his main witness against him had also falsified other statements in the past, and so they feel like they had the best shot at Gates uh, because of an unreliable witness. Do you do you agree? Do you just rather charge him and see what happens, or? No, I do. I do agree for one reason. You know, we keep hearing, we kept hearing things about Venmo and all that other stuff um, that seemed pretty damning, um, and it seems like they had him dead to rights. But one, given the higher profile, he is a sitting member of Congress. You know, whether we like it or not, the threshold is higher, and um, I think there were two or three witnesses who would not, who who were uncooperative, right? Um, so if he were, if they were able to prove the case, uh, if they were able to prove the case, uh, without the shaky, without Greenberg, Greenberg told him where the bodies were buried, but just like, you know, and again, from watching my, my lawyer shows, um, he could tell him where the bodies are buried, but do you need somebody with impeccable or better reputations to, quantify or confirm everything and it's not from what i understand it's not that those people don't exist is that they don't they're not cooperating um but going back to i think gates is also not really taking too much of a victory lap um i'm not sure what the rules are and everything else but i could see a world in which greenberg's attorney says well you know what my boy cut a deal. He's only going to do his however much time he's going to do, but he's still doing that time, and Gates ain't doing anything. So I'm going to I'm going to go ahead and drop dime. Uh, I don't know if there's anything that precludes him from doing that or not. Yeah, no, I, I don't know if I agree. And the only reason I don't think I agree is because of I understand that first of all, the DOJ is not going to take a, a shot at a case that they don't feel is winnable. I know that's unfortunate because that happens a lot to underprivileged communities, but they're just not going to take a chance at a case that they don't feel like they could get a guilty verdict, especially against a sitting member of Congress. 
Um, but I disagree in this sense that I don't know. You take your chances, right? Like, is he a public? Is he a threat? Not a, is he a threat to doing this more? Like maybe they're watching him, and maybe that he'll he'll be on his best behavior. But look, this guy was probably doing things that he probably will want to do again. And if we're just going by history of why these laws are made, is to kind of prevent um, this from happening. So, what if other people get hurt in this process, John? What if there's more girls? What if there's other things that he does? Uh, that you could have had him for if it, or you could have prevented it, right? Uh, so I, I get it why they didn't do it, but I also would just rather have him take a shot. Like, just put the case up, you have evidence, and you just hope that the jury kind of understands the portion of the unreliable witness. So I don't know. So I can see both sides for sure. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's one of those, you know, it's going to be fascinating. Um, I think that I think that Gates is going to um, potentially find himself uh, in the in the, in the spotlight again. I mean, I, here's the thing: uh, January six, you know, Jack Smith is working. He's moving. I mean, he he's moving in ways, you know, that uh, we we talk trash about Merrick Garland. But he's, you know, even though Mary Garland has, has led him to be a truly independent counsel, I think Garland knew what he knew who he was hiring. And Jack Smith, every day we hear he's subpoenaing this person, subpoenaing that person. Now, I learned something very fascinating though, about some of these subpoenas. Um, you know that uh, when you see that they subpoenaed uh, Mark Meadows, the good news, there's a good news, bad news scenario there. They subpoenaed him. He's got the goods. But in many cases, oftentimes, they don't usually have people who they plan on charging um, uh, act as a witness. They, they, you know, so the good news is if you're Mark Meadows, you might want to testify. If you're, if you're Mike Pence, definitely you want to testify. Because what they're saying is like, look, dog, we ain't coming after you. Yeah. Because it, it, and, and, and it's the dudes who do not get called who, who used to be sweating. So, you know, granted, Mark Meadows is probably worried about the smoke from Trump world, but he should be glad that, uh, and, and I wonder if he keeps fighting, does he all of a sudden, they all of a sudden find some charges that, you know, are they giving him a chance, right? And if he doesn't cooperate, they can go over to file B and all of a sudden Mark Meadows is, 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 uh, catching the case. Well, he has to, he has to participate, right? It's a subpoena, no? Yeah. But he's going to fight it. He's going to fight it. Yeah, but to what end? To what end, right? And my, my, Mike Pence might have more of an end because he's the sitting vice president. But um, look, if these guys can't be charged with anything, then then what what are the rules for then? Right. I, I know I say that over and over, but what are the actually rules for? If they could just get away with all of this, um, then I want to fight every subpoena. I want everybody who's ever had subpoena to fight subpoenas, right? Mm-hmm. I thought there was rules meant not to be broken, and the subpoena is one of them. Um, oh, man, this drives me up a wall, John, because these guys know what they did. They know stuff. They're not telling people the stuff, and yet they're walking around pretending that they're going to win in 2024. And I wouldn't be surprised if Trump wins, that Mark Meadows is chief of staff again. Like They've chosen corruption. They've been rewarded for it still. Um, there's a lot of heat on them, and we'll see what happens, but they have not faced any consequences for everything they've done. Um, 
So why not fight it? What are they going to do? You know, what are the, what is the DOJ actually going to do? They're going to have to put up a shut up at some point. Yeah, it's 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 going to be very fascinating to see how this thing works out, how it plays out. You know, who's gonna who's catching a case, who doesn't catch a case. Um, there's no rhyme, there's no reason. Who know who knows what what will ultimately happen. So you know. Um, <laughs> Look, look, Trump and his and his cronies, they're they're in trouble, you know. And w- the walls are closing in. Will they close in at what time? Who knows? But I mean, they're closing in. You know, one of the things that uh, happened this week, speaking of Trump, is we now actually had um, uh, Nikki Haley announce that she's running, and um, Tim Scott's rumored to be running. Uh, as, as people will say, um, it actually benefits Trump. The more people that run, the more people, you know, if, if you can win with only 33% of the vote, you should be happy. Right. So what, what was your take on, uh, on, on the Nikki Haley announcement? Yeah. We talked about Nikki a little bit before we talked about Tim Scott. I think they're trying to raise their profile a little bit for vice presidency. Uh, I think Nikki wants that. Uh, they both will not get it. Um, I think, um, uh, look, anybody who runs for president is going to want attention on some level, and that's what this is to me. Um, she's Trump attacked her immediately and other so-called friends, and she praises him in every single interview. Trump already went after her. Trump will go after somebody like Tim Scott, or he just might think there's such a small fish, so why, why even do it? Um, but you're right, right? DeSantis, this is DeSantis' worst nightmare. Because the more candidates, the more less likely that he has a chance just to be a one-on-one with Trump, which I think is his only chance. Um, John, do you do you see? Is it just too early, or or do you feel like Trump's floundering at all? I know that they're rebooting, and and there's a lot of stories saying that it hasn't been successful. They're trying to revamp things, but is it just too early? Like the rallies don't have the same kind of oomph to them because it's just so far away. You know what I mean? Do you kind of read that well, or not? It's hard to say. It's really, truly hard to say. And I think, um, I think the problem that Trump has, um, and I think the problem with Trump, and 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 I don't like the fact that the president is talking about this, is he's the front runner in many ways. But we just spent a significant amount of time talking about the Georgia case. We talked about January six. Um. If I'm Nikki Haley, if I'm Tim Scott, if I'm Ron DeSantis, if I'm, uh, you know, Yunkin from Virginia, if I'm Larry Hogan from Maryland, I, I start running. I start running because you, yeah, if he's not going through a legal grinder, he dominates. But if he is going through a legal grinder by the time the primary start and everything else, and a legal grinder may strictly just be an indictment, not even a case, not even a conviction. And you and right. I both know that it may go deep, but if he's still, you know, if he's going through a legal grinder, um, and you even talked about, you know, New York, right? But if he's going through a legal grinder, you don't want to be caught flat-footed and and just say, "Well, I didn't stand." So, um, I think they're all doing the right thing. Don't forget, uh, and I've seen this happen before. Um, remember, Kamala was, um, you know, did she even? I don't even think she stuck around for any uh, primaries. So don't forget, there's a lot of people who are in 
who might not even be on a ballot, right? So um, they're in now. I don't think it's a bad move. And um, I think the I think the press, the way that they cover it, they're going so much for the scandal in the horse race. They're not acknowledging that there's, uh, I'd say, a fifty percent chance that Trump doesn't is not a, is not even uh, part of the discussion this time next year. Um, I'm not I'm not banking on it, and I'm not saying that they should say he's not going to be. I'm saying that they need to be reporting on that just as much as they're reporting on, oh, he's the defendant, the front runner, because there, there's a if, and it's a big if. It's a big if you believe he's going to get convicted. It's a big if that he doesn't. I mean, that he's going to be indicted, it's a big if that he doesn't. If you don't believe he's going to get indicted, it's a big if that he doesn't. It's a big if either way, and I think that uh, that should be part of the reporting. I mean, all of it should be, right? Uh, I follow a couple of reporters on my timeline that always put things into context. They'll say things like, if a poll comes out that shows Trump ahead of DeSantis, they'll say, all I see from this is an insurrection-leading, twice-impeached president who lost is leading the Republican party. That's the story, right? That the best they have to offer is somebody who was a colossal failure, a racist, um, twice impeached insurrectionist in Trump. Um, so there is people putting it in context, but I agree that it has to be the entire context. The other thing I'm a little surprised at is as our, as a uh, DeSantis visits our lovely hometown that, uh, although I don't know if it's uh, wait, from- no, He's he's visiting the suburbs. Which one? And again, uh, Elmhurst. Now, granted, I'm in the suburbs right now, but he's technically not in either one of our hometowns. He's not interesting. My home, Chicago is technically my hometown because I was born in Chicago, lived a significant I, person I, my yeah. adult life in Chicago. I figured he but, wasn't coming uh, to Chicago. Right. So I I get to claim both suburb, suburbs and city, uh, right? But no, he he did. So he's technically not in either one of our hometowns. Yeah, I, I'm at our home state. I should say. As he comes here, I'm wondering what he's waiting for. Is it too early? Does he want to be the kind of candidate that comes in late and strong? Is he just building a war chest? Is he waiting for some Trump thing to fail so he can step in and pick up all the rewards? John, four years is a long time. We've seen political, um, we've seen people who are supposed to be front runners in four years completely take a nosedive, right? So four years is a really long time. I don't picture DeSantis waiting till, till 2028. Um, he wants that chair, and he's pivoting hard right no, right now. No. Well, well, we know why he's waiting. And first, so, so, so a few things. The main reason he's waiting is he's indicated that right now the Florida legislature's in session. He is not going to announce until after session, which is usually in June, May or June. Um, that's the first thing. Secondly, he cannot, until he files the federal paperwork, he cannot establish a war chest. Whatever money you raise as governor at any state, it's, it's called soft money. And it's and it's and it's usually got looser 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 restrictions and guidelines, so you cannot use those for federal races. Now you can use, sorry, you can use federal money for state races. You cannot use state money for federal races. So so um, one, he's not establishing a war chest. But once he announced, there's a lot of money just sitting there that's going to immediately go. I mean, uh, within 24 hours of the announcement the man will probably break records as far as how much money he raises. Yeah, but the war chest I also think is is connections as well. There's a reason that he's coming to a suburb of Chicago that leans right a little bit. Um, 
like he might be actually fundraising, but he also is trying to build a little coalition and, and get things going as well. Especially if, um, yeah, I don't think that matters, but I guess that's what I meant by war chest. It was definitely money, but also just trying to get his face out there, trying to, to make appearances uh, across the country. But his biggest downfall, people say, is that he doesn't have a national uh, appeal that he has in Florida. We'll see. I disagree with that. I think that is, if Trump's not in the race, that he would clearly win by 100 miles. So um, I guess I'll just bring all that to say uh, he's the biggest dark horse to this. I think Trump's to be on the ballot. I think he won't. if he's in trouble, he won't be like in trouble enough yet to not be on a ballot. I think the biggest thing that's going to be his downfall is DeSantis. I hope I'm rooting for Trump. I think DeSantis is 10 times worse. I think DeSantis is smarter, fiercer, and I think he's younger and he has a bit of appeal that Trump doesn't have, but Trump invented it. So it's always hard to take down the master, so to say, but um, I'm definitely worried about both. Yeah. Um, I, I think the challenge that they have. So for instance, Nikki Haley, and she talked about America's not a racist country. You know, she, she was a guy, um, Pastor Hagee, I forget his first name. He look him up. He has said a lot of crazy things. Um, and so, you know what Republicans do is they make oh, this nice, soft voice, you know, and 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 they use language to make it seem not so threatening. And they and you know why can't we just all get along? You're kind of doing a Rodney King, but they they do that and then they turn around. You know, uh, Nikki Haley came out today and said that Ron DeSantis didn't go far enough with "Don't Say Gay." Right. So they do this little like, you know, we're not a racist country and we should just all get along. We should be kindness. But we're going to do some cruel ass stuff to to our gay brothers and sisters. We're going to go ahead and tell black people you're not allowed to talk about the history of this country that was not favorable to white folks. So I hope people see through it. And, you know, is it is it up to people like, you know, this platform that we have? Do we need to start telling the story? I, you know, you and I oftentimes talk offline about maybe we should be creating some content between shows and maybe that content should be educational as opposed to you and I talking. You know, we're doing something more documentary, you know, almost like documentary-like, reporting-like, because I think that, you know, everybody, you know, we all know what we want the parties to do. And if you notice that with me working for a member of Congress and involved in multiple campaigns, um, you know, I know that the grassroots are telling us what we should be doing, but should those of us in who are in both worlds, the the uh, political world in the official capacity, but in the grassroots world for the for the campaigns we don't work on, should we be producing content and messages that really help the overall cause and not get mad when the party doesn't do it, when the candidate doesn't do it? Um, because when it comes to Ron DeSantis, Nikki Haley, they just go with this nice, soft voice. And they're doing some just underhanded evil stuff that I think is just inexcusable. Yeah, I, I completely agree. But the problem is, John, is that they have they it's the chicken or the egg. They do it because that's that's what the voter base wants. That's what they want. They want the trans wars. They want the cultural wars. They want the the wars against everybody that's not a white person. Basically, is how I see it. Um, the problem with Nikki Haley is. She's going to be fine, right? When she loses this, it's not like she's going to uh, be hungry and homeless or anything like that. I, I just think that the people who are doing this always will lose. They're pandering. It, people made fun of Hillary with the hot sauce stuff. This is the same thing, John, to me. This is the same thing because she knows she's just doing Trump highlights. And and it's hard to just do that when campaigns. It truly is. Trump is a, 
Albatross. He's a monster internally, but he's very good at what he does. He's a very good politician. And so is DeSantis. Uh, and, and Nikki Haley, Tim Scott, these people are just going to be doing impressions and they're not going to stand a chance. Right. Um, you know, uh, in addition to all that mess, there was some, you know, uh, some news that started out a while ago, but it really bubbled up this week. And I'm using that phrase. No, I'm not talking balloons yet. I'm talking about unfor- the unfortunate derailment in Ohio. And, um, you know, it's tough because not only was the right seeing this as an opportunity to pile on, but there's people on the left who hate uh, uh, Pete, uh, Buttig- Secretary Pete Buttigieg. Buttig- oh God, I cannot pronounce it. I, I, I used to be able to pronounce it. Now I haven't said it in a while, so I need to practice my pronunciation. But that being said, there are people on the left who are seeing this as an opportunity to, to embarrass Secretary Pete, and there are people on the right who definitely want to exploit it. And, you know, one of the things, I'm not sure you heard about this, um, the um, governor of Ohio at one point um, had said, yeah, the president called and uh, so did uh, the secretary, but I haven't called them back. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? So what, what are your thoughts and your reaction to what's going on uh, with the derailment in Ohio? Palestine, it's New Palestine, Ohio. Yeah, yeah. Uh... There's one in Detroit as well, obviously not as serious yet that we know of. But um, what's interesting about the governor, John, is, correct me if I'm wrong about the timeline, but he tried to make this political and he had, like, he had a company that he had personal ties to that was going to clean up the mess. And then people were saying, why why is it Biden declaring it? And he came out and said, oh, I had to call him back, right? He was trying to play political games. And then, if I'm not mistaken, Senator Brown put pressure on the governor, and then, then all of a sudden, Biden and Mayor P got involved and everything like that. So um, it's, it, it doesn't surprise me that they would stoop to such lows to just to make a political point. It just makes it look that they make they make it look bad. I remember famously Chris Christie, right in the middle of his kind of prime. Uh, Obama coming off the plane after Hurricane Sandy, and they shook hands, and and Christie. Although I don't like him, put New Yorkers above his political career, and I just think Republicans don't do that anymore. Not to give Chris, Chris Christie any credit, but I just think we can't even do that. We can't even, you know what I mean? Like the Chinese balloon stuff. It was immediately that Biden's a failure. It wasn't like what what's going on here. That's why I question about nine eleven. If nine eleven were to happen today, they would blame big blue coastal cities. I have it wouldn't be an American thing, you know. Um, and this is this is one of those things, <clears throat> John. We're in Illinois. We're not that far from Ohio, right? About five hour drive. Um, I got a text saying, "Are we supposed to worry about this? Like, are, is it is it in the air? Like, are we supposed to? You know what I mean?" Um, it also goes to say about um, the Trump, right? If I if I'm, it, I don't know if this viral article was real or not, but he kind of rolled back some Obama era safety measures that would have not that it would have prevented this. But it would at least help to prevent this if that was the case. So, um, again, narrative spin, and then we have to come back and we have to fight the vigilance. Uh, we have to f- be vigilant about the misinformation. But it's pretty clear to me that this was a this was um, badly played by Republicans, and not to make it political as as the situation is still ongoing. Obviously, yeah. But to your point, um, one of the things that, that first and foremost, yes. Uh, there is a regulation that there are some people who feel that re- regulation being 
rolled back may have actually contributed, if not outright caused, the derailment. Secondly, um, another element that I think that we have to, and, you know, again, I don't, because the other side does not worry about fairness, that doesn't mean we shouldn't do it, but I hate always doing it and not having them do it. But there's one element I saw that really um, infuriates me. The Republicans do an effective job in their mind, not necessarily with our base, but with their base and with moderates and with, with I'm sorry, independents. They will ignore what Trump did. They will seek to exploit uh, what failings they are going to dictate our on the Democrats. And I saw J.D. Vance uh, walking through the water and some waders, and he was poking down in the water. And what would happen, and I've seen this happen a few places, but not with JD, just J.D. Vance, but other folks, where they would make some type of uh, impression or indention in the water where they would disturb it. And then what would happen would it would be like a bubble up and you could see that there were chemicals that would come to the surface. Now, J.D. Fance is really good with complaining about that. What do you want to bet that whatever legislation that would better regulate uh, chemicals and the way they're transported, the way that we clean up and everything else, I can probably, I can't say for fact, but I feel pretty confident that there were probably more than a few bills out there introduced by Democrats that probably dealt with that very issue. And there are Republicans, and J.D. Vance being one of them, that any of the things that J.D. Vance and others are complaining about, the minute that the Democrats in the House and Senate put legislation on the floor to do something about the stuff they're complaining about as far as regulation, they're going to just take a knee. Well, thousand percent. J.D. Vance wasn't a member of, of, he wasn't a, a senator when the infrastructure bill was passed, but he would have voted against it, right? Uh, Howley voted against it, and Howley was asking for for Pete to resign. Like Pete's the reason that this train thing happened. It's the same thing with Benghazi and Hillary, right? It's like they just want heads all the time for no reason, even though it's a Republican governor, uh, Republican senators who are failing, right? Um, and Trump, who rolled back the Obama era, kind of uh, help with this, right? With it was specifically to do with train breaks. It was just amazing, right? Um, they blame everything, John. I don't mean to bring this up, but they're, they blame Biden for school closings when 99% of the school closings happened under Trump, right? It's just fascinating how they get away with it. Well, let me take that back. I think they get away with it less and less. I think the reaction to Biden walking around saying, no, Republicans are going to cut it, Social Security and Medicare, and Republicans saying behind closed doors saying, hey, you got to stop this. You can't do this. I think we're starting to realize how to message against this and to tell the truth consistently, right? Rick Scott already changed his plan, right? And so it, it has meaningful um, rhetoric. And I think that's what we have to do with this with this Ohio is to say, hey, this has nothing to do with Mayor Pete. You guys are voting against legislation that's going to help this. You guys are rolling back legislation that's going to help this. You're refusing to vote for bills that are, are going to help this. At some point, you got to look in the mirror. And I think that's going to... It might not help Ohioans, but it, it, it'll help kind of change the narrative a little bit. Yeah. You know, it's, 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 it's stuff that just really irks us, irks us. Now, one of the things I wanted to wind down with, and normally we, we wind down lighthearted, but I think we, we'd be remiss if we didn't address the whole issue, or not the issue, but the shooting that this week, uh, this past week at uh, Michigan State University. Uh, for those of you, I'm sure everybody knows, 
um, there was a mass shooting the night before, I think on February 13th, the night before the five-year anniversary of uh, uh, Parkland, and uh, I think it would have been the 15th or longer anniversary of the shooting at Northern Illinois, which also, which might have been a be- actual parallel. Um, and, you know, what struck me was a few things. Um, it happening again the night before a, a, a big anniversary, but also how quickly it was no longer in the news. And just so you know, earlier today, we're recording this on Friday, there was a shooting in Mississippi that killed six people. Um, and it's not barely a bleep. Um, our, is society becoming, is this becoming normalized? We're becoming desensitized? What's your, what's your take and reaction specifically to the Michigan State uh, shooting as relates to how long it was a hot news item? Yeah, I'm not surprised. It also happened like, not to sound super bitter or pessimistic, it happened in light of a Super Bowl, right? It happened inching towards the weekend where people are wanting to go outside and stuff. Uh, all that stuff kind of matters. But look, a lot of people felt after um, Sandy Hook that the conversation was already desensitized enough. But I really felt personally after Uvalde, like when Uvalde citizens voted for Abbott plus 20, after all of that, I felt, all right, this is a conversation that's not worth happening, or at least it's worth happening. It's just, it's, you're never going to budget on the right. Um, what struck me most about Michigan State was, and I don't know if you heard this, there was a Parkland survivor who went to Michigan State who had this video where it was very viral, where she talked about the fact that she had to go through. No, it was actually a Sandy, it was a Sandy Hook survivor. It was oh, a Sandy, Sandy Hook, Hook sorry, yeah. So that that's fascinating to me is that, it's a different state and it's a different place and different ages. And yet it doesn't escape that particular person. Also, there was a video uh, again, it's, it's really hard sometimes to, to, to kind of figure out what's real and what's not real. There was a video of Michigan state students in a dark room who were hiding perceivably from a shooter who cops were cops were already in the building and they were clearing rooms and the kids didn't trust the cops to come in because they thought maybe the shooters would say that they're cops. Right. And they were trying to, they were talking amongst each other, say, what if they're not cops or are we letting them in the building? And they couldn't figure out what to do. It's just scary to think about. Um, I grew up in a rough neighborhood and, and I don't know how I would react in that moment. But at the same time, these kids are, are just traumatized consistently, almost on a daily basis. And our country's response on the right is is just nothing. Just there is no response. It's just sweeping under the rug and, and let's move on. Right. Well, you know, um, in addition to the Sandy Hook survivor, um, I think there was a couple of students who had survived uh, the shooting at Oxford in Oxford, Michigan, which was like a year or two ago. And um, one of the things that one of the um, Congress people from Michigan noticed was when she was watching the news um, of the students gathering. uh, And, you know, I think they were not even gathering as much as they were evacuating. And one of the students was wearing an Oxford Strong shirt, um, you know, which was given out at that high school. So, um, you know, I I kind of went off this week in class. Uh, you you know, you were my student years ago. Uh, well, it's been over it's been over twelve, thirteen years. But jeez, in one of, in my opening speech, because I have a I do a presentation skills class, and all the students can speak on anything that they want, and I then give my opening speech. 
And I talked about two things. I talked about, you know, DeSantis and how he's trying to erase black history. But I also talked about uh, gun violence. And one of the things I said, and what's really bad is it's kind of going the other way. Remember, I just talked about how, you know, it barely lasted a news cycle, right? Um, But I was hearkening for, um, I wish that America, and even though it only lasted a news cycle, there's greater compassion. I wish that America had the same compassion for gun violence victims when the people who die from gun violence don't live in neighborhoods that it's not supposed to happen. I wish that there was greater compassion for gun violence victims uh, when the gun violence victims are not necessarily the most ideal citizens. You know, one of the things is we talked about uh, the kid, Adam Toledo, who got killed. And while while I definitely think it was a justified shooting, I think um, people forget just because someone may be affiliated with a gang, may be doing something wrong, uh, they have loved ones, loved ones who don't have anything to do with whatever is bad for them. And whether your son is a, a, a Rhodes Scholar or a gangbanger, that's your son. And we got to, you know, so even when people who are less than ideal model or who are not model citizens die from gun violence, we need to show the same compassion for their friends and family that we show for kids who die in high schools or in colleges or people who are shot at a grocery store. because people hurt and you hurt if you've lose a loved one whether that loved one is in a place where it's not supposed to happen or in a place where it should happen and whether that person is a model citizen or that person is you know someone who is definitely living on the wrong side of 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 life um you know it's unrealistic for all of the, the, the you know, shootings every day in every city in America. So it's unrealistic to expect Don Lemon to pack up his bags and do a live remote every time there's a shooting, say, in Inglewood. But I don't know. Um, I always, I don't want to, I don't think that the times that we show compassion aren't justified. I just realize that, I just realize or be, believe that we need to show a lot more compassion in other circumstances, not just the ones in which uh, it's a heartbreaking story. Because, you know, we live in the Chicago area. Regardless, this weekend, there's probably going to be at least five, six people who lose their lives. And their fa- their loved ones are going to hurt. And just, you know what? The other thing, though, too, is you know how, like, we send the trauma teams in to Michigan State? Can you And you, you know the streets of Chicago. What about the trauma that impacts the people who have to deal with everyday random gun violence there. Yeah. Well said, John. Well said. I completely agree with, with, with all of that. Um, I also think there's something here, and I don't mean to make this about this, but I think there's also something here to echo your words, to bring it on to police. Because there's a lot of rhetoric. You mentioned Adam Toledo. There's a lot of rhetoric of like, you know, when Michael Brown happened, it's like, oh, well, he shoplifted. And that's a death sentence. Like, even if he committed the crime, right? Like, he doesn't deserve to die in the middle of the street and his body laid there for six hours while police try to cover it up, right? So I, I think there's a there's too much uh, gun violence just across the board. Um, illegally, legally, whether it's cops, whether it's game bangers, whatever it is, uh, we as a country, well, I, I want to say as a country, I just think there's a certain part of this country that refuses to have this conversation. Um it's funny, John, being on TikTok and being on Reddit and being on these sites, 
and seeing how the other people across the world look at America as, as so gun happy that we have to have a, a bullet with our breakfast every single morning. It's discouraging. It's like, I, I just know that that's not the majority of the country and, and, the majority of gun owners just want guns to protect themselves or to shoot a deer once in a year or whatever it is. And I know that's the majority of it, but the problem is there's kids dying for no reason every single day and we could change that. And we're just collectively saying no. And and that's the problem. You know, the one thing is, and uh, you're a millennial, um, the generation after you is Gen Z the hope that I have, but it doesn't come fast enough. And it's, it's whether it's climate change or anything else is I do feel that the younger generations uh, are going to prioritize writing some of these wrongs. Um, and I hope that it, it happens not only in my lifetime, but in my parents' lifetime, right? My parents are dad's in his late eighties, mom's in her early eighties. But, um, I do think, you know, you know that I have a lot of issues. I tell my students this all the time. I have a lot of issues with the younger generations, but the one thing that I will always, always, always um, appreciate with younger generations is two things. There's a compassion there that I've that I didn't see in my peers when I when they were younger, and I also think that um, there is an innocent belief in right versus wrong. Um, and I say I don't want to call it naive. Um, because sometimes, they, you know, the younger generations have got such a belief in right versus wrong, they don't um, appreciate some of the practica- practical, pragmatic steps you need to do to make things right, right? They just want, they want to snap a finger and all of, all of a sudden everything is the way it's supposed to be. Um, and I hope that as, you know, people like Maxwell Frost and others come into being, um, that we might, that they might be able to move folks you know closer but you know that's a hope i'm not sure if it'll happen but you know we've if we don't have hope that it's going to get better then what are we doing on this planet am am i correct in that assessment or i I completely agree i think the next generation changed it i just i just they're just not in power just yet right and and congressman frost is a great example of uh what the future holds uh i'm a little disappointed i'm a little pessimistic after texas um, I really thought that they would boot Abbott for the, or at least make it closer with the simple fact of how he butchered that. Um, so there's still a lot of progress to, to be made, but talking to anybody that's under me, even talking to my generation a little bit, um, guns aren't cool to us and, and, and guns will continue to be less and less cool with future generations. There always will be guns and there always will be people who think guns are cool. But from what I understand and how I see the next generation talking to them, they don't think guns, they don't think smoking is cool, cigarettes specifically. Um, they don't think a lot of these bad habits that uh, we grew up with are, are cool. And I think that'll change over time. Yeah. So, uh, look, it's winding down. Uh, it, it's, it's, uh, we, we want to get this, you know, uh, cut, produced, and sent to, sent to you guys. So, for now, this is John signing off. And this is Fadi signing off. Thanks for joining us, guys. Oh.